Welcome to the Horses and Life podcast. Just got back a few days ago, had a great trip to Costa Rica, and I decided to go ahead and take some of these really cool interviews that I was able to record down there and get them done and get them to you. Maybe a little quicker than I was planning to get some episodes done, but I wanted to go ahead and do things while they were fresh rather than waiting until this spring to let you know what was happening back in January. So I hope you're ready for some podcasts because they'll be coming quick. Okay, a couple of announcements here. This weekend, January 19th and 20th, I'm having a clinic where I'm living here in Bastrop, Texas, and that's just outside of Austin, as Lucas Nelson sings about. We're having a foundation class, a horsemanship class, and a cow working class, so you can bring your horse and you can ride with us, or you can just come and audit. If you're not interested in either of those, but you still would like to come by and say hello, come by after 5 o'clock and it won't cost you anything. We'll be finishing up the clinic and then if the group goes to dinner, you can come along with us or we can visit here at the arena. I'd love to meet you, so come on out and say hi. The next clinic will be February 9th and 10th and that'll be Morganton, North Carolina. There's more information about the prices and the locations of the clinics on my website and my Facebook page, which is Cal Middleton Horsemanship. So I hope I can see you at a clinic sometime soon. Okay, today the episode will be a conversation with my friend Margot. Margot is a speech-language pathologist and dyslexia specialist. She also works with Jorge at the horse treks that I've been a part of in Costa Rica. She works with some school districts in the Central Valley there. I'm going to share with you a quick funny story that's happened two or three times with Margot that I uh, always get a kick out of, and I know she does too, so I don't think she'll mind me telling this story. Since she's not here, I'm doing the introduction. We'll be speaking, and she does a really good job speaking English, as you guys will get to find out here in a few minutes although it's not her first language. And she'll be speaking to me in English, and we'll be having a conversation, and maybe somebody comes by, she has a quick conversation in Spanish with them, and then looks back over to me and just totally starts speaking Dutch. And she'll speak for a minute or so, and then I can tell there's a question, and I have no idea what she said. And I'll look at her, and she'll look at me, and then she might repeat the question, as if I wasn't paying attention, in Dutch. And then I look at her and I say, would you mind saying that in English, please? And then she bursts out into this laughter, and we both get a kick out of that, and she'll say something to the effect of, I have no idea how that happens. But the irony is that I have a lot of respect for people that can speak languages like that, but we always get a kick out of it whenever uh, somehow on the brain things switch. So some of you that listen to my last podcast will know that it was uh, Dr. Rowe, and me and Margo were talking that I'll have to ask Dr. Rowe about how exactly that works, but it's pretty interesting. So Margo is one of those people that I always enjoy having a conversation with when I get time. She's always done a lot of good things. Of course, what she does for a living is help children learn how to read and improving their lives in that way. She's uh, good with horses. She's a mother and her husband and her have some really interesting side jobs or businesses that they do at home. And you'll hear a little bit about that on the podcast. 
she's always reading something new and always searching for knowledge and trying to understand uh, what's going on in this world around us. So I always appreciate that. I always have a lot of respect for Margo, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I'd like you to meet Margo Vanderplatz. Okay, I'm here with my friend Margo. Margo, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'll be honest, Margo is a little out of her comfort zone here. And she says that she doesn't do this kind of thing a lot, but I talked her into it a little bit, but not too hard. She's happy to happy to talk with us, and I know she has some interesting things I like to uh, go over. So, Margo, tell us a little bit about what you do here. So, we're in Costa Rica, and um, we're at Macho's place, or his family's place. Mm-hmm. Macho is the nickname, but I'm, I'm starting to call him Macho all the time now because I'm around his family and different people who always call him Macho, but Jorge is uh, who puts on the treks down here, and you work along with him with the treks. Tell us a little bit about how you met Jorge and what you do here with the treks. About seven years ago, Jorge had in mind to set up a trek here in Mansiung. He has a, his father has a big farm. There's um, lots of horses. And he met another lady in uh, San Jose who was doing something similar in a different area. And uh, I was invited at the time also to that same person in um, San Jose or where? Yeah, Puriscal. Puriscal. Puriscal that okay. was, yes. So that's where we met and uh, he was setting up the trek here in Mansiung and he asked me and a few other people to do like the, the first trek, like a tryout trial. And so we did that and it worked out really well. The horses did really well and the people we met on the way was really good and the logistics were all figured out. And so the next year, we continued. We did another trek, and uh, more people signed up. And I kept helping and, and helping with guiding the trek and organizing things around the farm. That's good. So you're not from Costa Rica. Where are you from originally? Where were you born? I was born in Holland, in the Netherlands. In and, Holland? Yeah. And how long were you in Holland before you moved? 23 years. You were there 23 years. And you went where? After that, I... I came here to Costa Rica. You came here, okay. Yeah. Your husband, Johan, got a job with the university here. Correct. Taking care of bees. Yeah, And he did right. that in Holland as well, or um, where, where was he He was studying biology, studying. and um, he had been doing research on uh, social insects, and the department there of the social insect, the um, director of that department, thought he would be a, a good candidate here to set up a bee center here in, in Costa Rica. And so we came here in 1990. In 90, okay. First few years, he was working on setting up a project, working on stingless bees. Stingless, stingless bees, bees are okay. different species without a stinger. And it's really interesting. It's a tropical bee, so you only find them in the tropics. And then the center was growing. There were more people working in it. And um, then after that, they were involving also like the um, the honeybees, normal honeybees, and uh, it kept. Yeah, it's a very interesting subject. Really. So most of the times I see you, you bring some really good honey. That's right. And uh, some of the people that are listening to this probably back home, or at least people in Kansas City and places like that, have had some of your honey. I know that I've brought some home to family and things like that. You you guys do some of that at home though. Also, you do that separate from what he does at at work. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's like a small 
family business. Small family business, yeah. And so we have our own hives in uh, in Atenas, and we produce some honey there. And then with that honey, we try to make it into a, a product product really that the people here are not really familiar with, like the what they call the sponge honey, the more creamy kind of honeys. I really enjoyed can, that cream honey. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And we combine it with um, almonds and ginger. Uh, yeah, honey with ginger, with um, uh, cacao and what's that? Avellanas. I don't know. The um, hazelnuts. Oh, hazelnuts. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Like to combine that as well, and it's people are really liking it here in Costa Rica. So. And you make some that. honey wine. That's right. Yeah. Well, my husband does. Your husband, not does. me myself. Yeah. But, ah, that's really cool. Yeah. So just a second ago, you were asking me which word was which, and of course, then when it comes to that, I'm usually going, I don't know, Margot. That's yeah, it's up to you. Your your English is so good, but you speak three languages mm-hmm. fluently, and then a couple of others a little bit. That's pretty impressive. I'm always impressed by my friends that that can speak a lot of languages. I I have enough trouble with one. And so I'm always impressed. Did you learn some of the languages when you were young? Uh, yeah, English. Like, At of course, school, uh, when you were young. Dutch is my native language. So English in, in high school and then Spanish here in Costa Rica. As my husband is also Dutch, we speak Dutch at home. So my sons were brought up speaking Dutch at home. And then they went to an, uh, the British school. And so they speak fluently English as well. And, of course, Spanish because we're... Here in Costa Rica, yeah. Yeah, I met your boys. Uh, you have a great family. I met Johan there a couple of years ago. Last year, I guess maybe I was here. So mm-hmm. your boys are ones in New Zealand now, just starting a new job there, Correct. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was studying hotel management in here in Costa Rica, in the Ulatina. And he just was offered a job in New Zealand, in Taupo. Yeah. And that's the oldest one? That's right. And then the younger one is still here at the university in, in Costa Rica? The, yeah, the University of Costa Rica, He's studying um, business administration. Business, yeah, great, great. So we were talking about reading and languages from and, and school. Tell us about what you do with the children that your full time thing that you do. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that. You just started a new at a new place, but doing the same correct same yeah, work, right? Yeah. So I studied uh, speech language pathology in the Netherlands when I came here. I've been working in that a couple of years, and then I I always thought that the area of literacy, reading and writing was very interesting. So I've been specializing in that area. And so dyslexia is is the area that I work now in, mostly with the students that I have in the bilingual schools here in Costa Rica. I do this in English. My goal is also to translate. And there are some programs in Spanish. So yeah, it's very important for the Costa Rican population also that they get access to uh, this information about how to help the how to help children the students. with dyslexia. Yes, correct. And so at this moment, I work at the European school, and it's been very interesting. The teachers are very interested to learn more about Good. it. So that I always ex- helps. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, evaluation, of course, is a very important part of that. Uh, they need to recognize and diagnose the children in the, not diagnose, but recognize the problems that they have in the classroom. At a younger age. Exactly, yeah, so that they can be referred to specialists as soon as possible. Right, get the help they need earlier on. Exactly, the earlier, the, the better. The it's the same with the horses we talked about earlier, wasn't it? Right, you yes. Know, we were talking about some of the young horses and how it's, you know, we try to get get them help early. 
instead of waiting until the problems get worse and then trying to help, right? Correct. Yeah. Sometimes I do that. I kind of flip things to horses real quick, but I don't always mean to, but sometimes that's a little bit of the point of what we're talking about too. Right. But you were mentioning about some of the translation there. So, I mean, obviously a lot of the programs you teach are in English, helping the children with dyslexia. Right. And, but there's some for obviously some translations for Spanish. Is it more difficult? I mean, there's, there, there's an age where learning other languages is easier, right? I mean, it's, it's easier to learn in two languages when you're young mm -hmm. than it is one until you're in your 30s and then learn a new one, right? Yes. But, but it's more for the children that have dyslexia that you're working with. Does that add a whole nother kind of a whole new set of, of issues when they're learning both languages? Or does it kind of go along once they, once they get help in one that they can kind of translate that to the other? In general, when a child is diagnosed with dyslexia in his first language, there are things like the reading and writing, which makes it more difficult when they're learning a second language. Absolutely. Because they have already their issues in their first language. So learning a, another language with that makes it harder, a lot harder. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it might be important for their future that they will be able to learn to read and write in English. So then they get help if they get the, the sufficient help in English, I've seen definitely that it also transfers into Spanish. Like it would help them. Yeah. So how long have you been working with children with dyslexia? How long have you been specializing in that? 12 years. 12 years. Great. You've seen a lot of changes. And I know we, we were talking a little bit about the education system here. Things are changing. Things are improving all the time, you feel like. But there's more challenges all the time. There's more more things going on, more children coming in with, with different issues, and it's something you're always working through, I guess. Yes. Yes, it is. In the first couple of years, I definitely noticed that it was, there was very little knowledge in general about dyslexia here, in as well as in the bilingual schools as the, the local schools here. In the years, I have noticed that people are getting their interested and and learning more uh, there's more information out there in general yeah, that's good so i think i know you and i have talked about this so uh, my mother had a degree in early childhood development and she had a daycare in our home growing up and then she worked for the parents as teachers program a lot of the school districts in the united states will have what they call the parents as teachers program and those those people would be in charge of like the screenings before the kids go into kindergarten, they'd be in charge of of looking for some of the early signs of things like dyslexia and other things. And I know that, you know, she was one of the ones sometimes that would do, you know, little tests with the children and, and babies all the way from the time they're born all the way up till they go to kindergarten. And she would be the one talking to the parents sometimes like, hey, I think there's some things here that I'm noticing that we need to get some help on early, you know, instead of waiting until they're in third grade to find out what's exactly. going on. So that's really, really cool stuff. I know that's an important thing. Unfortunately, it seems like up there, that's one of the, uh, you know, the football team gets more funding than something like that. Right? Yes. Which is sad, yes. you know, and I was a football player and I coached football a little bit at times and I coached high school wrestling and I'm not against sports, but sometimes looking back from where I am now, I can sure see the other side of things. And of course, sometimes it's not that black and white. Sometimes there are people that are donating money for this football field. And those people aren't donating money for, you know, for some of the early childhood issues that we're working through. But obviously I think there's some importance there that are something that's kind of interesting, but yeah, I think that's an important thing. So I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I know it's important. 
Let's switch gears for just a minute. Something that I know you and I always are able to get a laugh out of is is my my diet. I guess is the way to the way to say it. You know, Margo is always really good at helping me uh, eat healthier at least for a few days whenever I'm around her, and then I sometimes go back. But you had a kind of an interesting story about how you really started learning and researching and studying a little more about what we can do to help ourselves and our family eat a little healthier and try to cut out some of the things that aren't really necessary. Tell us a little bit about that or what put you on that journey. Well, of course, there have been years in in which I had, I was totally ignorant about those kind of things, like the diets, um, healthy food uh, that people, and how much actually that what you eat is influencing everything, your immune system, everything in your body, your life. So what happened at a certain moment drastically was uh, that my son was diagnosed with infectious bowel disease. Um, and it took a year to find out what was actually going on. He was losing weight, um, having stomach aches. How old was he? Sorry to interrupt. He was then like 17 years old, yeah, he's like already, really young. Yes. Okay. And it's, it's, young it's a pretty scary thing if yeah. you if you know that a boy at that age who should be like growing and getting stronger and being healthy and active and sportive that um, is then losing weight and feeling really bad and having pains. And so it, it took a while before we figured out. We were sent like from one doctor to another and it was allergies and didn't know exactly until they advised us to do an, uh, what is that in, in English, endoscopy? Yeah. An endoscope. An endoscope. I believe would right. be the word. Once again, that's not, I don't know. I think that's up to you, but I got it. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. And so once we knew that what that was, here in the hospital, they would give him the necessary medication to to be able to handle the, the, the pains and to actually um, the, um, the immune system to suppress. Okay. Is that the, okay. the right word? Su- suppress the immune system. Okay. So that it wouldn't. Oh, I see. So it wouldn't cause the issues. Yeah. Because the immune system was just trying to protect his body. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it um, seems and they told us that it would be necessary to for him to take that like for the rest of his life. That would be something it was not you cannot cure that. That's what we were told. And he would have to take the medication for the rest of his life. Wow. He was taking it for a few months, but it it keeps you thinking like what it actually is and you're going to investigate and go on the internet and find books and information about where this actually comes from and so we found out that with a change in diet it was totally different um there was the fruits and vegetables and the the vitamins and the minerals everything that the body needs what it doesn't need is the sugar and that gluten has so much influence and dairy products how if you cut that out of your diet, how that is helping the body to to be able to handle and to actually restore the um, the function of the of the bowel actually and the and the intestines, and so he for he has taken the medication for like two years and then little by little we could cut cut away cut out the medication and now he's been years without medication but with healthy food of course and he's he's doing absolutely fine he's really yeah very good yes yeah he 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 grew up after that he probably grew even more but he's a both of them are tall young men yes both of them taller than me it's good to see him growing and and uh, being healthy today 
I know that was a big, big thing. And so then for you, you've just kind of adopted a lot of that for you. Yes, for the, the whole family, the actually. you learned for yes. the whole family, yeah. Yeah. And friends like me. Every time I'm around, you kind of say, hey, 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 you don't need, you know, you ought to think about eating this or eating that. Yeah. It's good. You kind of help people getting maybe a little bit more conscious or letting them know where where they can find more information and how it's actually influencing your your life. So is it, it's, it's pretty easy to get a hold of a lot of uh, fresh fruits down here, easier than some places, oh, I, yes. I would think. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. In Costa Rica, I mean. Yeah, all year round we have. Yeah, pineapple fruit. and papayas, mango. One of my favorite things about coming down here is the frescas. It seems like every little restaurant or every little cafe that we might stop at will have a um, fresca, basically. Fres fresco natural is what they call it. Fresco, yeah. a natural, yeah. fresh. Fruit juice. Fruit juice, yep. yeah. So, and there'll be, I think a couple nights ago, I had the guabana, guanabana. 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 Okay, the there we go. I got it. It usually takes me a few times. So I'll do that one. Uh, I like the papaya. I like the piña, the pineapple. And uh, tonight I had, what was the red one I had tonight? The mora, which is the blackberry. The blackberry. Yeah, that was good. So it's basically just uh, just fruit with water. Um, they put some sugar in it sometimes or sometimes. usually not, but sometimes they do. Yeah, but it's pretty good. I, I really enjoy that. So everywhere we go, it seems like there's always something good to drink there. So... It seems like when I come down here, I was telling you the other night about the driving. And I said to Margo, it seems like people are better drivers here. And she said, what are you talking about? People are horrible drivers down here. And I said, well, okay, they don't follow the law as easy because they're going all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the individuals, most of them are better drivers. They're more aware of what's going on. They're paying attention to everything around them because they kind of have to because people are going all over the map, you know. But but I feel like people are a little more aware of it, you know. So, for example, I've ridden with you. I've ridden with Macho where we, we might pass somebody on a small road. Uh, maybe there'll be two or three people, and they're kind of going slow maybe, and then we go around them. And as we go around them, you kind of honk the horn once or twice, beep, beep, just a little bit so they know you're coming around. Whereas in the United States, there are people that probably do that. But more often, people use the horn after the fact. They use the horn to like, hey, you're an idiot. Bop, oh, bop. Okay, right. You know, they don't really do it that often to, as a warning Words or as a, warning as a helpful people. thing, yeah. you know. And it, it's funny. I, I think about that. Of course, I relate things to horses all the time. But I always think about that with the horse thing, you know. Usually people are letting the horse do something they don't want them to do. And then after they already did it, then they want to pick up their hands and, and get after them and mm -hmm. punish them. And, you know, and then instead of just trying to give them direction before rather than wait and give them correction when it's too late or after. So I feel like that happens with driving a lot, you know, and I feel like a lot of the driving, just, it made me think of it, we were talking about it earlier, but I feel like a lot of the driving, if, if people use their horn as a direction, yeah. as a as a something helpful, you know, rather than just after something, somebody passes them and they honk the horn at them as if that's going to do any good at that point, you know, kind of always makes me laugh a little bit. But some of the roads down here are a little bit different. The road we took tonight, we got Very to check out different. your four-wheel drive. We were just yeah. trying to go have dinner, and we got to check out the four-wheel drive. Yeah. We got to go everywhere. We went over a bridge today that was a hole in it. I always joke around and tell them my, my sister-in-laws would uh, – they always love the videos when I take a little video of me on some bridge in Costa Rica going across something. It looks a little scary to them, but it's kind of funny. Potholes, lots of potholes. Yes, yes, it's a little bit different. So, okay, let's go back to the horses for a minute. You have a few horses at your home that uh, I got to see last time I was here, I guess, or a couple of years ago. 
when I came over and worked them. Tell us about the horses you have there. What what breed are they? They have you have a criollo. Yes, that's right. Uh, I have one criollo, um, or another name for that is the Paso Costricense. That's kind of a pretty typical Costa Rican horse. A lot of Central American uh, yes. have uh, criollos. They do. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a gated horse in Central America. Yeah. originated yeah. down here in this area. Yeah, but also um, like mm, the first horse of that breed. That started like in the 70s. It has a combination of some Peruvian blood in it, um, Spanish horses like the Pieri. And then we. I also have two Iberos. And the Ibero has at least 25% of the Spanish Andalusian horse in it. And then a mix with the Criollo. So whenever people ask you what you do with your horses... I'm sure that happens. It seems to be a pretty common question when people at home, they have a horse and people say, well, what do you do with your horses? What's the, what's the best answer you have there? Well, at home, you're building a better relationship with my horse and, and getting him to work better. And then I like to take them at some point. Um, I'm taking them what they call here cabalgatas. I take them on long, long trips for sometimes one or two or three days. You put some saddlebags on them and, and take them out riding to different places, which is really good. There's a group of people that go along. Correct. It's a, it's a big yeah, ride. It's like sometimes, you'll, sometimes you'll camp out or yeah. you'll stay at uh, little hotels or exactly. houses or something. How, houses of people that are actually with us on the, on the oh, trail. Kind of like what we do with the treks in, in a way. Exactly. A different, yeah. yeah. It's just that you do this with like a group of friends. Sure. group of people. Sure. And uh, what they also have here in Costa Rica is the tope. It's usually at special days with fiestas okay. where they uh, organize a tope. It means that it's sort of a parade through the streets in a village or a city where people gather up with their horses. And they it's like showing, mm-hmm. showing their horses, showing how... How they walk, they have a, a walk where the, the forelegs are like coming right, higher right. up mm-hmm. and it's like a trotting, sure. like trotting what they what they do and um prancing horses. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. And so you have a lot of people around the like from the village and from other places that will be watching and there'll be food stands and, and people drink together some things and uh, and watching it's a fiesta exactly and they'll be watching the horses so did you grow up with horses in holland uh i didn't have any horses myself but i would go to the barn at least two or three times a a week and there was like a barn that was a a boarding stable or a training barn gave lessons and things like that Uh, yeah yeah. So you got to go, and they probably let you clean stalls, and you got to ride a horse. Correct, you, correct. Let me that's... just guess of how this is going. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like it goes everywhere in the world. There's yeah. a girl that comes to the barn pretty soon. They're cleaning stalls for a lesson. Pretty soon they're cleaning way too many stalls for one lesson. For one lesson, but exactly. that's how yeah, it goes for a while. And that's how I got to ride like many different horses. I was in a situation when I was young. My brother and I would go clean stalls for our neighbor, and we got to ride a little bit there. And then, well, pretty soon... We were just doing it to get paid for a while, you know. She'd pay us a little bit, and we thought we were making money at the time, but she'd only have us clean them out sometimes, about once every month or two. And she would just put the hay down as bedding and leave it down until we came. It was a stallion, 
So we would go clean his stall and it was like layers. We would get shorter, you know, we would go further down to the ground and we'd get there. While you and were then, getting the hay yeah. out. And then it just got, it got closer and closer. And then we got to split $7 between us. Looking back, it was, sometimes it took us a day and a half to get it done, but it was good. That's how it goes. And, you know, when you're young, you want to be around horses. You want to be around the deal if, if you're interested. And then we are still around horses now. So I'll tell them a little bit about the treks here or about kind of what we have going on. So you, you talked about how you met Macho and you guys got started. So now you, you guys will put on. Uh, maybe four or five in a, in a in the season, or maybe more. Last year, how many treks were there? Last year, two. Okay, just two last year. No, actually three. Okay, three, three last, last year. year. Yeah. And I know a couple of years ago you had a few, but what we're trying to do with with mine, um, we've done a couple different things, and we haven't got the details worked out yet. We may we may look at December of 2021. We were kind of throwing some dates around, but we talked about maybe the next time instead of going to the Nicoya Peninsula uh -huh. and riding there up and down the beach like we've done in the past yeah. after a couple of days here at the clinic at the ranch, we might go to the ranch we were at today. Yeah. And the name of that ranch is Mohal. 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 And that is Melissa's family's ranch. And right. His father so much as yep. um, father-in-law. Yep. And, and we talked about maybe bringing a group down, going over there, and we'll little, do a little bit more actually ranch work, maybe gather some cows up, brand some calves, sort some cows off, all big Brahman cows. We got to see a lot of them today. We're going back early in the morning to gather up some cows. It's so beautiful there. Yeah, it's a beautiful ranch, isn't it? We just got to ride today. We rode, I don't know how many how many miles we rode today, but we had a good ride. They got they had the cow work done early before we got there. But tomorrow we get to go and we're going to help them gather up cattle and bring in some calves and sort them off. And they're going to brand them, I think, or I'm not sure what they're going to do, but Usually, I just we kind of get to do something when we're down here, and that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, we're going to have to get up early because yes, of the heat of the day. Yeah, so yeah, we start early. To... Of course, it's still hot. I mean, it's well, it's January down here now, and this is the start of the summer. Yeah, right. It just started that's summer right, and yeah. starting to get into the drier season, or what they call summer. And um, yeah, it's getting hot. So this morning they were out. They were out and gone by six, and they were done by nine mm -hmm. or nine thirty. So tomorrow we're going to be there. We're going to leave here early and we're going to be up there at six o'clock and we're going to get horses saddled up and go gather up a few hundred head of Brahma cows and bring them in. One Brahma cow today didn't like me getting too close. Remember? Yeah, absolutely. You, you had that your phone out. That was impressive what I saw there. <laughs> Tell Whoa. Me about that. And the way I saw you were so calm. So like, okay, this is, <laughs> that was amazing. Calm on the outside, but maybe not so much on the, the inside. inside. Uh, so just to get, let you guys know what happened, I, there was a big group of cows. I mean, there was 150 of them standing there with their calves. And, you know, we were kind of walking around and they were standing there under a big shade tree. And we were kind of, you know, people were taking a few pictures and Macho's wife was there and, and uh, his daughter and then their their niece, I think, right? And then you and and another friend. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of people, but we're all riding around. And then the, the kid that works there, you know, he's kind of showing us around. Of course, I don't speak Spanish at all very well. So I can usually understand what's going on if they start pointing, you know, oh, we're going that way. But other than that, I don't really know. I just kind of follow everybody along. And so we're kind of going around these cows, taking a few pictures and people are just kind of standing there. And I was looking at some of them and I saw this one cow kind of look at me a little bit. And then she kind of walked towards me a little bit and I picked up my reins. And about that time, she just took off right after me. And she got her head down right underneath my horse's jaw and I'm picking up to back up. But my horse backed up. So that's kind of comes in handy, you know. And it, by the way, before I got on him, I made sure he backed up a step. That doesn't mean, that that, mean everything's going to be perfect. 
But before you get on one, when you're out here like this, something like this, you're on a ranch, somebody says, hey, here's a horse. And you say, okay. So before you get on it, I kind of maybe reach up, grab a hold of the rein real quick and put the hindquarter over to the right, put the hindquarter over to the left, step them back. Okay. Well, at least if something goes wrong, I have an idea that I can control the horse's hind feet a little bit, right? So we go out there and this cow came right at me and I picked up my reins and the horse started backing up. And even if I would have done nothing, I have a feeling that horse would have figured out how to get out of the way. But what, I, what you don't want in that situation. It all happened in a split second. Oh, it happened fast. And, I, and you had said you just picked your phone up and you just took a picture of me over there with him. And then you put your phone down and then boom, it happened yeah. just like that. But yeah, in that situation, I know what you don't want to do is turn around if you can help it. You'd rather let that thing back up. Now, if the cow's going to keep coming, well, then you may need to turn and go. But generally, as soon as you back up, she's she's not coming to attack you. I mean, people talk about, oh, that Brahma cows or whatever, you know, sure. There's some aggressive cows out there. But in general, she was just trying to say, hey, you're a little too close. I don't really want you quite this close to my baby calf. So I got the message loud and clear. I backed up a little bit and we're all good. So anyway, that was good. But yeah, so tomorrow we're going to go back and do some of that. And um, But we what we talked about doing with the, with the next time I bring people down, we call them treks, which is, you know, just the big ride together and that's kind of what they what they uh, build them as and sell them as but i think what we're going to do next time maybe is is do a little bit of that ranch work and then that's only 20 minutes from the beach also so we would stay maybe here at this little ranch where we're at today um for that's where the horses stay and we might stay here a couple days do a little clinic here in the arena ride around a little bit let everybody get used to their horses then take them over to the big ranch gather up some cows, do some cow work. And then while we're there, we'd stay over at the beach. So every night we'd go back to the beach, hang out there, and then we could spend a day over at the beach and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a vacation for people when they come down, but also a little bit of horsemanship and a little bit of learning. So I know we've talked in the past and you guys have too. It's it's a little bit of a vacation where people get to learn how to ride and learn about horses, but it's not just your here's a horse, go ride on the beach and it costs you X amount per hour. It's a little bit different than that. What we're, what we're trying to do here, and I don't want to speak for you guys, but I mean, what I'm talking about and whenever I'm here together with you, we're trying to help people learn some horsemanship while they're here. You know, it's not just about being on a vacation. It's a little bit of both. So, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. This is my fourth time in Costa Rica now, and I really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Got to meet some great people. If somebody would have said to me five years ago, hey, do you think you'll be going to Costa Rica once or twice a year for a while? I would have said, I don't even know where Costa Rica is exactly. You know, I know it's Central America, I think, but I don't really know. But anyway, now it feels like a, another place I can call home. So it's pretty cool. So Margo, tell me a little bit about something that you can offer some younger people. You have two sons that are becoming adults. And I always kind of try to ask somebody, and I, and I threw this on you as a surprise, of course. I didn't want to warn you about this because I want you to think a little bit more on the spot rather than have something prepared. When you're talking to your your sons or they maybe they have a group of friends there, and for some reason you're not going to be there again tomorrow, what are some of the things that you want to say to people and that you've learned in your life that you can offer? Maybe just some life advice or just some things that you need people to remember. It doesn't have to be about anything specific. It can just be about anything. You know, I know there's there's a lot of stuff that uh, you and I have talked about, about staying positive and, and just about, you know, enjoying each day. And you, you and I have sat out and talked about that stuff a lot in the evening, the evenings and stuff when I'm down here. But uh, you're kind of like a breath of fresh air every time I get to be around you. It's always <laughs> It's always nice that you're here and you're always 
positive to people and, and positive being around people. I know that's not something that, that, uh, it comes easy for some people, but I think it's a choice too, you know, yes. just keeping that in. So what is it that you say to a group of young people that are starting out in life? I think what's really important is that young people follow their dreams and follow their passion. A lot of times, like, Uh, young people f follow the ideas of maybe their parents or other people that want to give them good advice, which is all very well and nicely meant, but they really have to listen to what drives them. I think that's why they're here on on this planet, like to to follow their dreams. It's it's for a, a purpose. It will bring them some somewhere, and it will make them also like happier. It will make them successful, happy, happy people, if they can follow their dreams and, and do what really drives them. Well, I think that's, uh, that's important. I think, uh, I think that has to be something that people, uh, figure out as they go, you know, but you're right. I, I think it's, there's a lot of people that, that give advice. I, I distinctly remember one of my teachers in high school that gave me advice that she thought was good and it was horrible advice. Well, that's what I mean. Like, oh, right. And yeah. she wasn't she wasn't trying to be a bad person. No, it was no, just no, horrible no, no, advice. No. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think that uh, oh, I think you're right. Now you you mentioned to me once about was it your oldest son that kind of went took a little time went abroad for that, a while. That Where, was the youngest. Oh, that was the young. Okay, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. He was he started already like in university. Mm -hmm. He was uh, doing this like a year, a year and a half. And then he felt he he needed to go out in the world. Just he had been in high school. He right from there he was going to college, and um, he felt that he needed to know the world, meet other people, do something exciting, different, totally different, like stepping out of your comfort zone. Right, right? just like you're doing tonight. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> and so he decided to go through a program that he found on the internet it's called workaway right and he bought a ticket to europe and he's been traveling there uh he was working in different places uh on a sheep farm he's been working in an olive mm, olive farm, farm. Or olive plantation maybe. yeah plantation yeah. exactly he's been helping with construction on a hostel in in italy Great. so he's been to different countries there sure He loved it, you were telling he me. He loved it. And he met so many interesting people. And at the beginning, you weren't sure that that was the best thing for him at the time. Or was it was it your husband that wasn't this sure? That was probably my husband yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah, no. Actually, was like, I was... Wait a minute. I he was, just started college. Now he's going to leave for a while. Right, right. It was... But it's mostly because it's very... It was very unusual in the way we were thinking at the time when we were in college, you would start that and finish you finish it up. it up. And then you can think about like, or finding a job or doing whatever you think is necessary you need to do. But like right in the middle of your studies and then stepping out and doing something, you would kind of think like, would he be able to go back into that discipline in and get back to studying the way he was, right? But I was pretty confident that he could do that. So I was kind of like telling him that it was actually a good idea and, and important for him to, and to go out. My guess is he came back with even more energy to go to college Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And he's doing that's, probably that's better exactly. in school now than he did the first time. That's exactly yeah, what happened. That, that seems to be what happens a yeah. lot. 
Yeah. yeah. Speaking of your husband, we just got a few minutes left here before we cut things off, but there's a chance I may get to visit with him and get him on the podcast next yeah. week. I don't know. It just depends on his schedule and my schedule before I leave uh, Costa Rica, or not next week, but in a few days here at the end of the week. But for those of you that are interested more in the bees, which I know I am, uh, my grandfather and I had bees when I was younger, and I really enjoyed that. Right before my grandfather died, we had a couple. He had a couple hives of bees, and I got to help him with that. And I've always always been a little fascinated by that. I have some friends at home that raise bees, and he has some. Uh, I don't know how many books has he been involved in, or he's he has a several. few books, several books that, about. And w- w- what would be his title? He's a biologist. He's a yeah, um, a bee expert. Yeah, he's a bee expert. I mean, I know. Um, and uh, so maybe we'll get uh, we'll find out which which of his books would be ideal for somebody starting out with bees. And I'll kind of make sure I mention that. If we don't get to visit with him, I'll get that and I'll mention that uh, at some point whenever we have that. So cool. Well, Margo, thanks for uh, being here with us tonight. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Horses and Life podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can obviously tell people about it. You can tell your friends about it. You can share it through social media or any other means. You can go to patreon.com and support it financially. There's a little more information on my website about the podcast. Also on my website, calmiddleton.com. Please be sure you sign up for my monthly newsletters through my email subscription list. Until next time, enjoy each day. Enjoy each day.